Welcome to the Logos Daily Podcast. At Logos Daily, we offer Logos Bible software coaching, Christian book reviews, and relevant interviews to reflect on life as a believer and to help keep us all growing. For more information about our coaching services or anything that Logos Daily has to offer, please go to our website at logos-daily.com. That's L-O-G-O-S-daily.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to our Logos Daily author interview series. I'm sitting down with a very special guest, Wesley Hill. Wesley, it is so good to have you today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And if if someone's listening and they don't know um, Dr. Hill, I, I just want to give a brief 30,000 foot view of kind of your work and maybe you can fill in uh, sure. any gaps, but you're the assistant professor of biblical studies at Trinity School for Ministry. Associate yep. now. I got promoted. So that's well, <laughs> uh, congratulations, uh, associate uh, professor of biblical studies at Trinity School for Ministry. That's fantastic. You have degrees from uh, Wheaton, Durham, Bethlehem College and Seminary, and you received your PhD from Durham in that's 2012. Right. You've authored several books, uh, Paul and the Trinity, Persons, mm-hmm. Relations, and the Pauline Letters. Uh, mm-hmm. You've written Spiritual Friendship, Finding Love in the Church as a Celibate Gay Christian, and mm-hmm. you've also written Washed and Waiting, Reflection on Christian Faithfulness and Homosexuality sexuality. You've also written for First Things. I'm a huge fan of uh, First Things Journal, Christianity Today, the Journal for Scripture and Theology, among others. You have a wide range of uh, interest from the Apostle Paul and the Doctrine of the Trinity to Karl Barth and also rediscovering the Christian practice of friendship. So mm. that, is, that is a lot. Have I missed anything? No, that's the high points. Thanks. Those I appreciate the high it. Points. The, books that, the book that we're going to talk about today is The Lord's Prayer, A Guide to Praying, Our Father. It's part of the Christian Essentials on Lexham Press. And shout out to Lexham Press. I think there's a lot of great publishing houses today, but I think Lexham Press is just knocking out of the park. We're going to put a link in the description on all the places, whether you're getting this on podcast, YouTube, one of our Facebook groups, want to encourage you to buy this book. Um, and the reason I think it's so helpful as I've read it, is that it's it's not a uh, it's very succinct it's very kind of cut and dry but it's not it's not a dry book it's it's filled with story and warmth but it really gets you into the lord's prayer um and so i want to encourage everybody to buy that book and think about it as we're reading uh as we're going through this interview but before we talk about the book i've got five questions we call these quick fire questions there's no right or wrong You've not Great. heard these questions before. They're just to help us get to know you. I'm doing this cold turkey. Here we go. Okay, here we go. All right. Number one, uh, what books are you currently reading? So I'm currently about halfway through President Obama's memoir, and I'm learning a lot about those years. Obviously, I lived through those years, but it's it's interesting to get a peek behind the curtain. And Has anything stood out to you about his life? So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the way they tried to make the White House residents a home. You know, he talks about asking their uh, serving staff to like wear polo shirts and instead of, you know, suits and things like this. And oh, wow. So I, I, uh, I don't know a lot about the White House as a, as a building. And I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that there's this like, you know, this home where, where a real human family lives at the same time that it's the most powerful you know, governmental place that we have. So yeah, that's been interesting. That's cool. Um, what's a product you'd be a spokesperson for and you wouldn't have to get paid for it? Oh man. So I love to cook and that's, that's one of my main hobbies because I spend so much time in front of a computer screen, you know, writing and, and reading. I love to cook. And my housemate uh, brought home a, a kitchen tool the other day that I had never seen before. And I'm, I'm like all about this now. So 
it's a can opener, but rather than piercing the lid of the can and, you know, uh, kind of lifting it up that way, it's, it, it sort of perforates it and sort of lifts the lid off. It's got a magnet. And so it just kind of pulls it off. It's, it's so much smoother. It feels so much more efficient, a lot less messy. Anyway, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this thing. So, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I can send you the title later and you can put it in the show notes or something, but <laughs> we'll, do, we'll, we'll have the first Logos Daily uh, official <laughs> kitchen gadget. There you um, go. Well, and so third question kind of related. What's your favorite meal? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I grew up uh, in Arkansas, uh, where you are podcasting from, yes. which is fun. And I just absolutely love classic Tex-Mex food, which, you know, I've lived in the Midwest most of my life. I've lived in Chicago now and Minneapolis, and now here I am in Pittsburgh. And you just cannot get good Tex-Mex the way you can uh, in a place like Arkansas uh-huh. or Texas. So every time I go home, I, I, I was I was back in Arkansas over Christmas. I, I always insist that we uh, we get a good a good uh, hot plate of fajitas and yep. and and go to town. So <laughs> well, you're you're exactly right because I'm not from Arkansas, even though that's where I live now. And we moved here, and you. There is a difference kind of in Tex-Mex than like what I would consider Mexican. And yeah. So, yeah. so you're, you're on point. Um, what's your favorite TV show or movie? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard one. Um, uh, so one movie that I tell my students, I think they all should watch as, as seminary students is Calvary, uh, where Brendan Gleeson, who uh, many of your listeners may know him as Mad-Eye Moody in the Harry Potter franchise. Mm-hmm. But he plays a Catholic priest in this movie Calvary, and um, it's it's just uh, it's a profound treatment of what it means to be a a minister who's not just there in the pulpit, not just there kind of leading the Bible study, but actually in the real places where real life is happening, you know, in the middle of the week. So Mm -hmm. it's a bit dark. It's a bit violent. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I'd recommend it for everyone, but I found it to be just a a, a powerful movie. Wow. Great, great answer. And then finally, if your job didn't exist, we all want to know, what do you think you'd be doing? (laughs) Oh man. So I, when I was a kid, I told my dad, I want to be a journalist. Um, And I, 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 you know, now I'm a minister and I'm a seminary professor, but I, I still think of myself as having that kind of fascination with words and how sentences work and how you put paragraphs together and how you craft a, a piece in a way that's compelling and draws people in. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be some kind of journalist. And I think I, I think I would enjoy kind of the way journalists get to um, keep their cards a bit close to their chest. You know, okay. they can interview people and, and hear other people's perspective, but not necessarily you know, uh, impose their own or show their own. So yeah, I don't know. I, that's good. That, that's, that's one thought. Well, you're a great author. Um, the, the things I've read from you are, are absolutely fantastic. And so I think you'd make a great journalist, uh, well, thanks. A good, good author. <laughs> and today we're talking about, uh, your latest book on Lexham press, uh, about the Lord's prayer. And as I read it, there's, you know, I think of my library, um, I've got lots of books on the Lord's prayer. Why'd you decide to write a book on the Lord's prayer, or as you call it, the, our father, what, yeah. what is your book that do yeah. that's kind of new to the marketplace? Yeah. Well, so when I talk about this book, I often tell people, if you don't like it, don't blame me. Cause I didn't, I didn't choose to write it. I didn't, uh, I mean, I chose to write it, but right. And I think we should also note that they make books like books just as at, uh, we're launching this new series called Christian Essentials. 
Um, and the, the goal of this is to write really short, succinct books that are accessible to a wide range of different type of readers. Um, and we want them to cover kind of the basics of the Christian faith. So the first three are about the Apostles' Creed, which kind of tells the, the narrative, the main uh, narrative of the gospel, what we believe. And then uh, there's my book on the Lord's Prayer, which is about how we call out to God in prayer. And then there's a volume on the Ten Commandments, which is about, you know, God's will for, for our lives, our moral lives. And uh, when they when they kind of pitched that to me, I thought, you know, I've, I've always wanted to write. I mean, I do write that way in my sermons. You know, I try mm -hmm. to write in a way that is not uh, like overloaded with scholarly technical terminology. You know, I try to write in a way that's that's widely accessible and i thought this is this is a project i would really enjoy and then i had to decide like you say there's all these books on the lord's prayer what can i possibly add to the mix you know it hasn't everything uh, already been said and i found myself thinking about um something i had read several years earlier from uh, a biblical scholar named dale allison and he says that a lot of people really struggle with the Sermon on the Mount, which is where the Lord's Prayer shows up, you know, in Matthew's gospel. It, it, it sounds like something we can't actually do, you know, turn the other cheek, you know, love your enemies, uh, this type of thing. Um, and so he said, if you want to see the way Matthew's gospel shows the Sermon on the Mount being lived out, just look at the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Look at the life that Jesus lives and let his life be the kind of the illustration or the uh, um, the the way that this sermon is actually practicable. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought, all right, well, that's interesting. You know, so that means that if the Lord's Prayer is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Mount is like interpreted by the life that Jesus lives, maybe the Lord's Prayer is also interpreted by the life that Jesus lives. You know, maybe it too is kind of embodied by Jesus. Like he takes each of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer and actually shows us what it looks like to live in light of those. And, and that became kind of the idea of the book. I just kind of tried to trace that right through and see how, uh, you know, when we pray, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. How, how does each of these petitions that we make to God actually point us to Jesus? Oh, that's great. The And I would say from my perspective, what I found so helpful about it, I come from a upbringing that has no idea church history exists. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I really do like we, we kind of, we were always trying to get back to first century Christianity, whatever that right. means. But in doing so, we would devoid ourselves of any sort of historical theology or church history. And, uh, to the point where we would say no creeds, but Christ and, and, right. uh, just right. how ridiculous that is now, uh, to me that in itself is a creed, but, yeah. I would say this yeah. book, this book is great for anyone like me. It's great for anybody, but it's great for someone. If you grew up maybe in some forms of Protestant evangelicalism that doesn't center itself on kind of historic Christianity, this is a great gateway to see how the Lord's prayer has been impactful in, you know, kind of a Catholic perspective of lowercase yes. C universal yeah. Christianity. And you do that very well by bringing in some authors and, uh, people that, you know, I would not be familiar with until mm. within the last couple of years. So mm. you did oh, well, done a great job. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, uh, and so, and then that led me as I read your book and thought about that and my own journey with kind of historical theology and the Lord's prayer and, you know, the creeds for those of us who grew up in a church context where all prayer had to be extemporaneous. Mm. And we did, we didn't know, like we, yeah. we weren't opposed to the Lord's prayer, but that was something yeah. we got in a sermon series. It wasn't something we always prayed uh, when, when 
like, what would you say to those of us, what can we learn from praying prayers that we pray over and over again, like in our father, how does that enhance our spiritual formation? Yeah. Well, the first thing to say is I, I totally get your upbringing because that was my upbringing in many ways. I mean, okay. it's interesting, you know, I, we always prayed spontaneously in church, but my parents did teach me to memorize the Lord's prayer at home. And so we kind of had a mix of both, you know? Um, but I remember that my youth pastor, um, who he just, he was very creative and kind of broke the mold in, in different ways. But one of the things that he did as, as part of his spiritual uh, life was memorize big chunks of the Bible. So not just individual verses here and there, but big chunks. And he, I remember him talking to us about that, like kind of what that did for him in his spiritual life. And he talked about how when you have a text memorized, you can go back to it at times where, I mean, the lights may be off, you know, you may be falling off to sleep, you can't read it in a book, but you can, you can say it in your mind, or you can even say it out loud if you've got it memorized. And, and he said, you know, you find that as you're doing that over and over, you notice things about the text that you would never have noticed before. You, you pick up on different emphases. You pick, you pick up on things you might have just kind of casually skated over if you were reading it quickly. And I sort of think about that as I think about praying or memorizing a particular prayer from the Bible. It, it's not that that needs to uh, necessarily... Uh, crowd out more spontaneous prayer or, or cause you to, you know, give up more spontaneous prayer, but it's a way of going deeper into the text of scripture and kind of letting it shape your priorities, letting it teach you things that you might not know about prayer. So, um, you know, I don't, I personally don't think it's an either, or I'm part of a church now where we say a lot of memorized prayers or, or pre-written prayers, but we also pray, you know, more extemporaneously. And I kind of like both. Uh, and I think we need both. And, you know, I, I, one thing I would say to people who say, you know, absolutely not to written prayers. Well, what do you do with the Psalms? The Psalms are all written prayers and they're right there in the Bible. In fact, a lot of people call them the prayer book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called them the prayer book of the Bible. So even the Bible itself is showing us, hey, it's okay to have uh, prayers that are that are written down and we come back to over and over again. And I've, I've known for me too, uh, kind of my journey where I've struggled with depression and anxiety, and I don't know what to pray or have yeah, the strength to pray. Exactly. To have that framework already available is just, you know, exactly. so powerful. Um, exactly. Exactly. And so in your book, for those who are going to get this or thinking about it, you, you really just go through all the different lines of uh, the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus, he does something unique. You, you note that he this idea of Jesus being or God being the father of Jesus is really only about 15 times in scripture. And yet it's a huge theme. Why is it so important that Jesus calls God father and why mm. our father? Why, mm. you know, mm. why, why does he do that? Yeah. 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 So I, I get into the book in a little bit of Trinitarian theology, which, you know, can make some people nervous because it feels like, how are we ever going to get our minds around this? And uh -huh. it's some kind of intellectual puzzle. And and what I try to show is that um, it's not meant to just be something that that makes our brains hurt, you know, where we're trying to figure it out like a math problem or something. Um, for, for God to be Father, Son, and Spirit shows us something profound about not, not only God in himself, but, but what our salvation looks like. So, um, you know, the, the, Christian, the Christian idea about God is that God is absolutely one. Um, you know, we go back to Deuteronomy here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So there's only one God and all the other gods of the pagan nations, they're, they're idols, you know, they're, they're, they're mute and dumb idols. They're, they're demons. They're not, they're not the true one God. So there's one God, 
But when we when we uh, go into the New Testament, what we see is that um, here is this man Jesus, who is doing only things that God can do. He's forgiving sin. He's raising the dead, and he's calling out to one that he calls Father, and he's promising to send his Spirit, who, by the way, will do only things that God can do: uh, give life to the dead, uh, you know, bring gifts of of power. So what the early Christians realized is that we can't surrender our idea of there being one God. That's that's foundational. That's there in the Old Testament. We can't give that up. But what we have to say is that somehow Jesus the Son, who calls out to the Father, is equally God. And we can see that because of what he does and what he says. Uh, and and his spirit, their spirit, the, the spirit of the Father and the Son, um, is also equally divine uh, insofar as he he mediates that that very salvation from God to us. And so there's this there's this threeness. There's the oneness that we can't give up, but there's the threeness as well that we that we have to hold on to. And and it, you know it took a couple of centuries for the church to hammer all that out, but they eventually said there is one God who has always for eternity existed as three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here's the thing: this is the amazing thing about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus doesn't say my father. He says our father. In other words, he is drawing us into that very life of God that we see, you know, between the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. It, it's as though, I think it was Robert Jensen who said, it's like we're piggybacking on Jesus. You know, we're, we're joining in the relationship that he has to the father. He's the eternal son. And we are adopted sons and daughters. We're drawn into this, you know, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, um, through the forgiveness of sins, and and we we get we get the privilege of calling God Father just as Jesus did because we're united to Jesus. So so I actually think there's a huge ton of theology in those opening two words, our Father. Um, you know, it's basically a theology of our salvation. It really is. I remember the the first time I preached through that uh, Lord's Prayer. It really came down to is God my Father? Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, instead of the general fatherhood of God, the specific, you know, God is my Father. And you, right. you do some. I don't want to spoil it for people. You have a great <laughs> section in there on Jesus being our brother, yeah, and what that means. That's yeah. that's not always uh, talked about a lot. And so, um, good good stuff. I checked this morning on the word hallowed because I think that's the only time I use that word is in the Lord's <laughs> Prayer. And I checked, I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me memorizing the King James when right. I was younger, but it's right. in the ESV, the NASV, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of them, for the most yep. part, all of them. What does yep. that word mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it comes from the Old Testament. It's related to the word for holiness. Or another word that we use in English is sanctification. Um, and we could even translate it, I think, let your name be sanctified. Um, and and the, the basic idea, of course, of holiness is being set apart, being special, uh, not being common. Um, and so when we ask God to hallow or sanctify his name, I think what we're asking for is for God to, in a sense, set apart his name, let his name be reverenced, and let us be kind of uh, participating in that with God. You know, we want to hold God's name in honor. We want to hold God's name in reverence. And I, I talk a little bit about this in the book, but that's not just about, you know, avoiding taking the Lord's name in, in vain, you know, in casual conversation. It's much more about how do we behave in the world? How do we act in such a way that people can see God's name as holy, that, that, that God's reputation is guarded? And 
you know, I, I mean, as, as you and I are recording this, we're talking a lot these days in this country about how certain of us who are believers seem to be, we seem to be giving God's name a bad name, you know, in, in, in the culture, by the way, we're, you know, flashing Jesus on our banners all around. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of praying for God's name to be hallowed is asking ourselves, what do I need to do? How do I need to behave in the world so that people can see God for who he really is? Wow. Um, so that people can see Jesus for, you know, the Holy one that he is. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of, like you say, it's a short book. I can't discuss it in detail, <laughs> but I kind of point toward that in the book. Well, no, very, very helpful. And, uh, you do a great job there. And again, I, I don't want to give away the book. I, um, but everybody needs to read the section on forgiveness. Um, mm -hmm. because you, what you do is you talk about where, you know, we're forgiven at our baptism and then, uh, it's something we still pray for, which was yes. just it kind of like, and so it made me think as you were talking about us making God's name holy or sanctifying his name. Oh, that's part of that process of yeah. kind of that forgiveness. It all, all ties together. Well, let's practically, let's say someone is new to praying yep. and they don't know what to do. It's, it's kind of foreign to them. How do you encourage them to start? And what is, uh, what does that look like for maybe a new believer or someone's been a believer for a while? They just never yeah. really thought about praying. What is, yeah. what does prayer look like? Yeah. Great question. Well, one of the things I, I mentioned in the book is how Jesus introduces the Lord's prayer uh, when he's talking about it in, in the gospel of Matthew. And he says, uh, you know, in verse seven of this is Matthew chapter six, verse seven, he says, when you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles or those surrounding nations do for they think that they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so I think prayer just really starts with that sense that I don't have to try to twist God's arm here. I, a prayer is not about me coming in and trying to convince God to like me or, or want to listen to me. It starts with that posture of just sitting still and knowing that wherever you are, uh, however broken you feel, however guilty you feel, however uh, much of a failure you may feel, it, it's just starting from that posture of knowing that you're loved by God, knowing that you share in that, that place where Jesus is before God. You know, you're the beloved. You're the beloved son or daughter uh, of God. And then, you know, I think one very practical thing that you could do with the Lord's Prayer, you know, you could just you can find it in Matthew chapter 6. Just open your Bible. Um, just take a few minutes to pray each line of it and then just spend some time kind of in your own words expanding on it you know so so just just take take the first phrase our father in heaven and then just just sit there and think think about what you want to say to god as your father you know talk about his tenderness talk about his faithfulness and you can just do that with every single line of the lord's prayer kind of use it as a guide to meditation i think one way to think about it about it would be like as a scaffold you know we we sometimes put up a scaffold or a trellis uh, because we know that if that's there, then the the vines that we plant or the 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 flowers that we plant can kind of climb their way up that trellis or that scaffold. And I, I sort of think about the Lord's Prayer that way. It can be a, a scaffold. It can be something that we kind of attach our own uh, petitions to. Like we may not know what to pray, but the Lord's Prayer can kind of kickstart our our prayer uh, in, in that way. So I don't know. That's just a thought. Yeah. There are always good prayers 
both the Lord's Prayer and the themes within the Lord's Prayer are always yeah. good to come back to, aren't they? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. good. And then in your book, you talk about uh, how you you pray and you had a you have a bench that you you pray at, you kneel at. What's your what's your prayer life like? You know, I think as as I thought, someone who's writing a book on prayer, um, what what does prayer look like for you? What's your daily routine for prayer? Yeah. Um, what what is that? What does that look yeah. like for you? Well, that's the danger about writing a book on prayer is who wants to who <laughs> wants to present themselves as a as a model for prayer? I, certainly not me. Uh, um, you know, I I uh, I remember riding on a ski lift one year when I was a teenager. We were out in Colorado on a ski. A trip. And uh, I was riding up the chairlift, you know, going up the mountain with my youth pastor. And I, I said, you know, what, what does it mean to pray? How, how do you, how do you have a prayer life? And just, just longing for that, wanting that. Um, and I sometimes think that that is half the battle is, is saying to God, I don't know how to do this. I, I'm not very good at it, but I want to want to do it. You, you may not be able to say, I want to pray, but you can say, I want to want to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to want you, God. I, I'm not there yet fully in, in my desire. I have a long way to go, but I want to want you. Um, I, I, I am one of these people who I, I do think it's helpful to have a schedule. So I just, I just first thing in the morning, I, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Anglican Christian. I, I'm, I'm an Episcopal priest. And one of the things we have is called the Book of Common Prayer. And one of, one of the things that's great about that book is it gives you an outline for how to pray a prayer in the morning and how to pray it in the evening. So you can kind of bookend your day with prayer. And there are little scripture readings, not long. You know, you can do the whole thing. And I mean, if you're really rushing through it, you can do it in 20 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I have found that really, really helpful. Just very first thing when I wake up in the morning, that's the first thing I do uh, is take out my Bible and my book of common prayer. And I have my cup of coffee. And I just, I, we call it the office, the daily office. Mm-hmm. I, I pray the office. And, um, you know, if you're, if you if you find the book of common prayer intimidating, um, there, there are actually some wonderful apps that you can get uh, online that will just kind of do it all for you, walk you through it. Um, uh, one of them is called, I think daily prayer, uh, by the forward movement. Uh, I really like that one. Um, there's another one called mission St. Clair. Claire is spelled, uh, C L A R E. Uh, that's another way to pray it, but I, I have found that enormously helpful in my prayer life. And, and, uh, by the way, one of the things you always pray in the, in the daily office is the Lord's prayer. So, uh, you know, it, it, it just kind of seeps its way into your bloodstream, uh, in that way. I'm so glad you mentioned that I am a not, I'm at a non-denominational church, but I would classify my prayer life as Anglican. Great, um, great. And so I think when you're, when you're speaking my language, when you say the daily awesome. office, and yeah. it's not just. Uh, the it, you get to join the whole church, exactly, so to speak, in a exactly. global movement. Thank you, Amen. Everybody's praying these prayers together, exactly. and you're praying scripture. Exactly, like it's, exactly. it's the most. Uh, and, exactly. and when when I found out about the Book of Common Prayer. I got frustrated at my upbringing saying they had this and they didn't yeah, tell where us was about this? it. <laughs> there's this yeah. church calendar, you know, we knew Christmas, but there's Advent right. and Epiphany. Right. And, right. and so I felt robbed. And so, uh, you know, over yeah. the last couple of years, my journey has just come alive and there's so That's much great. within the Anglican communion. And yeah, wonderful. wonderful. Yeah, it's just, it's so good. Um, so that, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly endorse what you're saying. Uh, Wesley, thank you so, so much uh, for sitting down, down with me. This has been an absolute privilege to uh, talk to you. 
Well, it's been fun for me. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, God bless your podcast. Well, thank you. And everybody, thanks for listening or watching wherever you're, you're doing uh, this. And I want to encourage you to check out uh, Dr. Hill's book about the Lord's Prayer. We're going to put the link in the description. And as always, if you need uh, coaching services for Logos Bible Software, I want to encourage you to go to our website, logos-daily.com, L-O-G-O-S-daily.com, and sign up with a coach, get someone one-to-one. Maybe you need some library management. Uh, maybe you need some uh, sermon prep help or just how to use the software. It can be so intimidating and you should make good on the purchase that you've made. So uh, do that. Also go to our website and we've got some workshops coming up, sermon prep, uh, seminary study, how to, how to prepare in seminary with Logos Bible software and open Q&A and uh, find some We've got several avenues. Also check out us on Facebook. We've got our uh, free books uh, group. We've got our tips and tricks. We've got um, our book of the month club. We're around 20,000 members. And so I encourage you uh, to get in one of the Logos Daily's Facebook group. And we would love to connect with you there. And until next time, I'm Ryland Brown. God bless.